Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Santa H., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is July 3rd, 2017. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 62, the third paragraph that begins with, this is the how and why of it. Today's readers are The Twelve Steps, Joanne L., The Twelve Traditions, Kathy F., and reading the literature today are Allison L., Lisa B., and Craig F. The share ID for Sunday, July 2nd, 2017, our special edition meeting is one Zero, one, one, one. Again, one, zero, one, one, one. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive overeating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Allison L. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, Allison. I think you mean Joanne. I sure do. I'm sorry about that. Joanne L. Yes, good morning, Santa. Good morning, everybody on the line. My name is Joanne L. from Rhode Island. So happy to be here. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove 
all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. In 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. And thank you, Joanne L. I will now ask Kathy F. to please read the 12 tradition. Good morning. This is Kathy F., a recovered compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And thank you, Kathy S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing. 
and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 62, beginning with the third paragraph. This is the how and why of it. And we'll be reading two paragraphs this morning ending with, We Were Reborn, and comments will be focused on both paragraphs. I will now ask Allison L. Allison L. to begin reading. Good morning. Thank you, Santa, for your service. This is Allison L., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ohio. This is the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father, and we are his children. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we passed to freedom. When we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves. Our little plans and designs... More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. As we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. We were reborn. Oh, good morning. Uh, Again, this is Allison L., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ohio. I was so excited when I was reading with my sponsor and we got to this place. I felt like it was giving me something I could actually do finally. You know, I had become abstinent and we got through step one, step two, a lot of reading. And then we get to this and I see something that I can actually begin to do in my life. I can um, start thinking about what what does God want me to do? And so I just took that literally into everything I was doing throughout my day that seemed mundane even. Um, so if I'm, when I was at the grocery store and I still do this to this day, um, I would think, what would God have me do? I'm just here getting some groceries. Seems pretty, um, insignificant, but what does God want me to do? Um, make eye contact with people, smile with people. Maybe there's somebody I'm feeling I should talk to, you know, it was all stuff that I would never think of on my own. Um, and what I came to realize was, how seldom I really looked people in the eye or smiled at people. I was always thinking of myself. I didn't have time to be actually connecting and looking with other people around me. But as I began to do what God wanted me to do, 
Um, I was looking at other people, thinking about them. How could I make their day better? Could I smile at them, say a kind word? And, you know, that's not always easy. I'm chasing three little kids around a store, so I'm trying to keep them under control, but I'm also not thinking of myself. I'm thinking of them. How can I make the experience good for my children? How can I make it good for other shoppers? That's just one example. As I go through my day, you know, I'm thinking of things I want to do around my house or um, what I need to get accomplished. And, and you know, if if I'm thinking about what God would have me do, you know, maybe he wants me to stop and make a phone call. Maybe he wants me to stop and have a conversation with my child. Maybe, um, you know, there's something else that, that he wants me to do. So as I think less and less about what I want to do, what I want to accomplish, what I think uh, life should be for me and think about what uh, my new director, my new boss wants me to do, then I um, begin to feel new power and joy, peace of mind. And life becomes more successful in a way that I never thought that it could be because it's not just about what I think is success. It's it's a, a new kind that I had never imagined before. So um, those were some of the things that I started with and then it grew from there as I continued to commit to working steps on a daily basis. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Allison L. And who would like to comment for approximately three minutes on what was read? Matt M. Lisa B. Jayanda. Matt M. Lisa B. Vasa O. Katie. Lee Katie. 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 This is who I have, and then we Jackie can pick up again. I have Matt N, Lisa B, Larry K, Vasa O, I think I heard Paula G, and I heard Paula, and I heard Katie G. Good morning, Matt N. Good morning, Father. Can you hear me? Yes. Before you begin, Matt N, if everybody else would just mute their line, please, so we can have a quiet recording. Thank you. Okay, Matt N, go right ahead. Good morning, fellow visionaries. Good morning, Mrs. Madden from Carlos Over Eater from New Jersey. The second paragraph, uh, when it talks about when Lisa Shelley took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things follow. It's the third step promises. Each one of the steps has a set of promises that gives us when a new set of um, things that are going to happen to us, like, such as the nine step promises, the ten step promises, the four step promises. And this is really cool stuff. That he provided what we needed if we kept close to him, performed his work well established such a footing became less and less interested in ourselves, little plans and designs. I don't know about you, but I'm selfish and self-centered to the extreme when I'm in the middle of my disease. I don't think about anybody else but myself and what I can get from others and what I can get from life. I'm like the actor trying to run the whole show. And uh, it's great. I'm grateful that just for today I could be a little less <coughs> self-centered to be more other-centered and call others and see how they're doing, which I'm going to do today, which I've been doing every day because I've been working with my sponsors. And I'm grateful that just for today I can leave myself at the door and just work with others. Um, and that I'll pass. Thank you. And thank you, Matt M. Next we have is Lisa B. Good morning, Santa. This is Lisa B., a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. So grateful to be here. And I'm so grateful for this intensive study of this book, um, I used to think that these were the third step promises, 
but people that have gone on before me, you guys, my sponsor, I've learned that I don't have the ability to be and do all of these things that these wonderful words are telling me. Um, So the way that this was explained to me is that this is written in the past tense, that Bill is writing this from his experience. And um, I need to remember that, that he's reflecting back what he, what the first 100 people have done. So, you know, this meeting, this wonderful meeting is about me sharing what these words mean to me. So when I look at these words of uh, relationships, and which is a big problem, that was always a big problem for me, uh, relationships. But when I look at these um, relationships, it's really about me putting myself in a subordinate position that I'm now going to be governed by a higher authority. Something is going to be guiding me, directing me, and that I'm going to proceed through all of the steps. And then in this way, following doing these steps, I will have these promises. My way is chaos, pulling the structure down on me. I don't know any other way. I don't have the ability to really think of other people. I didn't know how selfish and self-centered I was. Um, I don't have the ability to get myself out of the way. If I could, it would maybe just be a three-step program, but this is a 12-step program. And my uh, marching orders were given to me in the chapter working with others to be of maximum service to God, to others. But I don't have the ability to do that until I do all of these steps. So that really helped me um, to, to help someone to explain that to me. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Lisa B. And good morning, Larry Kay. Good morning, Santa. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay, great. Good morning. Thanks for your service, Santa. Larry Kay, Recovered uh, Compulsible Reader. You know, I, I want to focus in on this, uh, that, that first paragraph there, uh, the, the keystone. You know, a keystone is a wedge-shaped stone. Um, it's, it's a piece at the very, uh, in the highest point, the apex of the structure of the arch. So it's, it's really the final piece placed during construction. And the big book is reminding me that this concept, well, what concept are they talking about? That going forward, God was going to be my director. And that this concept was the keystone, the final piece necessary if, and the word if is a contingency, if I was going to cross this bridge to freedom. And that, that means for me that I have a choice to make each day. You know, because unlike the construction analogy where the keystone is literally placed one time, it, it locks the whole structure together, human beings like me can choose to pull that keystone out. And it's called taking my will back. And, and it's not just an issue of, of picking up the food. Certainly there's that. But it's also, you know, plopping myself right into the director's chair you know, directing the lights, the scenery, all the actors, you know, places everyone, places Spielberg's back in charge. I'm in my seat. But the problem is when I place myself back in charge, you know, the manager in chief, I'm going to tend to slip back into, into a role that isn't mine. God makes, the, God makes the strategic and operational decisions. And I need not apply for that job. That job doesn't, I can't apply for it. See, for me, I kept applying for this job over and over and over again. So self-absorbed, so preoccupied with myself, but unable to see it because I convinced myself that, look, 
my intentions were good. So as long as my intentions are good, any means is fine. I can plot myself in the director's chair. See, today, I leave the keystone in place each day, and my foundation stays solid by the grace of God. Thank God for, for Alcoholics Anonymous. Without that, I'll pass. Thanks. And thank you, Larry Kay. And next we have is Vasa O, followed by Paula D. Good morning, Vasa. Good morning, Santa, and good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And this is the foundation of the program, the freedom from selfishness and self-centeredness. I drew a bridge. I remember, like, imagining a bridge in my head and going from one side to the other. And I remember thinking, if I stay on this side, I'm going to be stuck here. But if I go on the other side, that's going to be a better life. So this is the promises here. And I'm just so grateful, but I was so terrified. I was so afraid from go, to go from one side to the other. And God gave me, my higher power gave me the courage. Come, Vasa, come to me. It is better. I, it is better. You'll find a better life and better understanding. And I took that leap of, you know, I just took that chance and I, I took that, um, um, again, the chance. I took that chance. And uh, these are the promises. And uh, I was, again, the fear wanted, to, wanted me to stay there. But I wanted to go on the other side, and the people that I had in my life gave me the, they gave me the support. Vasa, just go this way. You know, your life is just going to be changed, 100%, you know. And uh, I'm so grateful that those people pulled me and helped me, that my higher power is on the other side, and I am going to be taken care of. And uh, before I was dependent on myself or others, and here I have a new director. I have an employer that's going to guide me and protect me doing the the 12 steps one by one. And these are the promises. And I felt like I was born again. It was like given to me a new life, a better life from the life that I had before. So, um, you know, he's the director. It's like driving in a limousine. My higher power is my director. I'm just sitting in the back, and I'm just relaxing, and I'm just taking him, trusting and relying that he's going to take me in a safe and protected place as I go along, you know, with the 12 steps and as I go with my life. So he is my director. He is my father that I didn't have before. It's a different kind of father. You know, it's not the biological father. It's, it's, and I'm just going, I'm just going with the flow and just trusting and relying and, and guides me with everything in my life. You know, whether I'm going through good things and not so good things. And I trust and rely on this higher power. And thank you for letting me share and I pass. And thank you, Vasa O. And next we have is Paula D. followed by Katie G. Good 
Okay, then maybe I stayed at Paul and Aaron. We'll go on to Katie G. Good morning, Katie. Hi, Vasa. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G. from Boston, Recovered Compulsive Eater, Anorexic, and Bulimic, starting my timer right now. So, um, yeah, so we talk about in the paragraphs leading up to this, we can't reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or willing on our own power, but we're on step three. And what are the commitments in step three? One, that I am going to turn my will and my life over to the care of God, and how I'm going to do that is by going through steps four through nine, discovering what my will and my life is. Um, And I love that they talk about we have to quit playing God. And I heard one of my AA heroes talk about how did he play God? Well, he talked about all of his judgment. Like that person is doing that and that person is doing that. And, oh, listen to that person sharing about this and this person driving that way. And, you know, when I've gotten to step three, I've seen a lot of the ways in which, you know, my life is unmanageable, that the way of me doing things isn't working. Um, And so what I love is that it then goes on to talk about our little plans and designs, because what are we trying to do? We're trying to turn our will and our life over to the care of God. The only way, again, we can do that is by understanding what our will and life is, looking at them and through in steps four through nine. But I love this idea, like I had all these little plans and designs. And when I'm caught up now, when I'm bound up now, when I'm disturbed now, it's because I want my little plans and designs to go through. And when they don't, I can get agitated. However, we become conscious of his presence by getting uncovered, unblocked. The only way to be conscious of God's presence is to be unblocked of self. And it's death of self for successful living. And um, I love that I can see where I'm blocked now, excuse me, where I'm blocked right now and ask myself, okay, so how can I go be of service? How can I help other people? And, you know, even though you might be at step three and you're not necessarily in a place where you know your will in your life is, um, what your will in your life is, and you don't necessarily, haven't done step four, we can still act our way into right thinking. You know, from the time I came into my first Overeaters Anonymous meeting, I was taught to be of service to other people. It was established into my DNA, like Pavlov's dog. And although that may not be my first conscious thought before I do the steps, you know, that's the kind of suggestions that help me to get out of myself and help me learn what this new way of life is. And it is absolutely remarkable today. Um, And I may not always feel like, okay, God, I'm trusting 1,000% how you're employing my life. It is a thousand times better than it ever used to be. And I can get there with these steps. And so I'm going to keep showing up for one more day. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Katie G. Before we go on, if you're just joining us, we are on page two. We begin at the third paragraph. This is the how and why of it. Two paragraphs is read this morning, ending with we were reborn, and comments are on both paragraphs. And we'll continue with our comments. Who would like to share for approximately three minutes on what was read? Barbara E. Jackie B. Harlan G. Leanne W. Harlan G. I heard. Barbara E. Linda W. Linda D. Bill W. 
Irene, Linda Day, Irene, Okay, who do I have? Harlan G, Barbara E, Sarah W, Linda B, and Houdini. Who else? Monica G. Monica G. Lisa J.R. Lisa J.R. Okay, we'll stop right there for right now. Lisa J.R. And if everybody can mute their line, and we'll just ask Harlan G to begin. Good morning, Harlan. Good morning, Santa, and thank you not only to you, Santa, but to Team Monday for your service in making this wonderful meeting possible. On page 570 in Appendix 3, in the medical view of AA, Dr. Bauer writes, they know, referring to alcoholics, that they must never drink. They help others with similar problems. In this atmosphere, the alcoholic often overcomes his excessive concentration upon himself, learning to depend upon a higher power and absorb himself in his work with other alcoholics. He remains sober day by day. The days add up to weeks, the weeks into months and years. So with that in mind, I go to the bottom of 62. And what is it telling me here? It says, first of all, we had to quit playing God. I was God. I knew what was best for you. I knew what was best for those people over there. No, I don't. What does it say? It didn't work. I don't even know what's best for me, let alone anyone else. And then it says next. It doesn't say in six months. doesn't say in a year. It says next. We decided that hereafter, in this drama of life, God was going to be our director, capitalized. And the director on a movie or a TV show is the one that decides, you, you're going to be sad. You, you're going to be happy. This is God's job, not my job. He is the principal. We are his agents. Stop right there. The principal and the agent is referring to the fiduciary duty that an agent has to the principal. I have a real estate license in the state of Arizona. I work with a business broker, a business broker. You know what a real estate broker is? They sell your house, a business broker sells your business. I have a fiduciary duty to my people, to my clients here in Arizona. What does that mean? It means I am bound by law to put the needs of my client above the needs of myself. And that's the same kind of fiduciary duty that I must have with God. I am here to put God's needs above my own. He is the Father. We are his children. And this is where a lot of people just kind of get, to get their hackles up. The Heavenly Father, the Perfect Father, the Wonderful Father. Whether I'm an atheist or an agnostic or a believer, I must believe because I'm now in step three, so I'm past step two. I must be willing to believe. I don't have to believe, sorry. I must be willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself. And in my belief or my willingness to believe that there's a power greater than myself, now I'm ready to go and, and do business. He is the Father. We are his children. Most good ideas are simple in this concept with the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we pass to freedom. I love the third step promises, but can't comment on them today. Don't have time. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. And thank you, Holland G. And next we have Barbara E., followed by Sarah W. 
Thank you so much, Santa. It's so good to hear your voice today. This is Barbara E. from New Jersey. What jumped out at me was the quit playing God. It didn't work. He, it, is the director. I'm just the supporting actor, not even the star of the show. And the word keystone, this is the keystone of the arch through which we passed. I must daily, hourly, make an effort to cross that bridge to freedom with God's help. I must clear away the wreckage of my past and ask God that he, it, whatever, guide me to add no new wreckage today. Ask him today what I can do to be of service to others. So important. Through my, my first commitment is my sense of duty to keep OA going, alive. I need it. My life depends on it. Plus, it's a pleasure. I never thought I'd say these words. Making phone calls it has become a pleasure. Intensive study of the big book is a pleasure. Paying it forward is a necessity if I'm to ensure that OA is to keep on going. Plus, it's personal insurance. I heard about uh, selling homes. It's personal insurance that my home will remain standing, that I will not go back to the food and go back to all my negative behaviors. I have to leave that keystone in place and ask my higher power for guidance every day to help it stay that way. And I have to have faith taking that first step when I don't know what the second step is. I heard someone, I think, from this very room say, when you're ready, nothing can stop you. When you're not, nothing can help you. That's me. I am ready. I am finally ready, willing, and know full well I have to get out there in that rowboat and row the boat. Thank you all. Happy 4th of July to you for tomorrow. Bye. Thank you, Barbara E. And next we have Sarah W., followed by Linda D. Good morning, Santa. Thank you for your service. Good to hear you on the line. Good morning, Sarah W., grateful, recovered, compulsive overreader. Um, I love this part of the book. It's really so beautiful. Um, I remember once I went to this meeting probably 20 years ago and I heard this man say that um, in the third step it says made a decision to turn our will and our life over to the care of God. And that had some kind of a magical um, experience for me because, you know, most of us come from a place that um, you know, our parents are our higher power when we're little. And then however that looked for us, if we could trust that, then that's how we could trust a higher power. And so the whole idea of God's care made so much um, significance in my life. And the other thing I wanted to say was that it says most ideas, most good ideas are simple. You know, I think I have to really keep things simple. And I also have a daily reprieve. You know, every day I wake up, and this is the opportunity that I have 
to choose to either, you know, as as was stated so beautifully by the original sharer in this meeting, that, you know, I can either choose to do God's will and look for God's will, or I can choose to follow my own path. And it's not about bad or good. It's about, you know, believing that, um, that I believe that the world is a good place to be in, really, in all honesty. Um, and I think, um, you know, like, like was stated before, uh, you know, I have to be sincere about these things when I start out my day. Um, and also, you know, it's not a straightforward trajectory for me. I've struggled along the way with many things, with my food, with my behaviors, with my attitudes. I'm not a perfect person, but I continue to trudge the road, and I'm so grateful for that. And I am a totally different human being than I was, and I'm grateful for that too, and I'm grateful for OA. Thank God for OA, and with that I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Sarah W. Linda D., followed by Houdini. Linda, if you're Hi speaking, there. we don't hear you. Hi there. No, I takes a second to unmute. Sorry. Hi there. Linda D., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in North Carolina. I'm going to start my timer. Resume it. This is such a wonderful paragraph, and I used to really dislike it because, um, you know, I think about... Every day when I listen to this meeting, I think about what it was like for me the first time I walked into the room. And the reason I think about that is because I know there's people in the room for the first time today, or maybe the second or third time. And, you know, this talks about um, about God, God as the principal, as the father, we as children. Most good ideas are simple. And... Um, I know that a lot of folks, including me, I speak from my experience, were, are, can be put off by this language. Um, the, the male pronoun, um, I'm not anymore. Uh, and I'm going to tell you how I got there. <laughs> it's not because I, I accepted a male pronoun. Um, I accepted the fact that uh, there was something, something bigger for me. I wanted to believe in God, but I could never do it because my agnosticism kept me from being able to go all in. I wanted more than anything to be genuine because I knew how much of my life was fake um, when I was in the food. I didn't want to build my recovery on a house of cards or say that I believed something, profess a faith I didn't have. So I couldn't accept what I thought was, what I thought, the concept of God I thought was implicit in these words. The words in the book stopped bothering me when I was able to define my conception of a higher power. And the thing that I want to share here is that I never anticipated that simply taking the step of finding a sponsor and beginning the work would lead me to a place, would help me find the conception that I could pray to and that I could defer to and that I could consider to be a director as as many addicts uh, are, uh, I was rebellious and I don't want anyone telling me what to do. Many of us have had experiences where the people who were supposed to be in charge didn't act like they were supposed to and were scared of that. But I realized I did have a conception of God. I was invited to do an assignment and describe the parts 
what I would need or what I would want um, in a higher power. Acting as if seems fake to me, but when I did that assignment, I realized that I did have a conception of God and all that I had, and, and it, it, it almost wrote itself. So, and I knew in my heart that there was a goodness. I knew that I had principles. They had to have come from somewhere. So to wrap up, once I got that, I was able to start talking to it. I didn't know if it had intention, but I started praying and talking and, and trying to follow it. So I would just end by saying that if you're on this line and you don't have, you don't have, hold on, you don't have a conception, take the hand of someone who's willing to help you and you may find that you really do and it was there all along. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Linda D. Next we have is Houdini, followed by Monica T. Good morning, Houdini. Good morning, Santa. Thank you so much for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini M. from New York, and I'm a very grateful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God, for always taking care of me. So for me, this is how and why this works for me, because he is the father and we are his children. And that to me means that he's my creator and I am the creature. I certainly didn't create myself, so how can I play God? I needed to turn over to God and let him do his job so he can lead me. I also believe that my breath is a gift from God. Therefore, I was created to know, love, and depend on my creator. So I can be guided as long as I obey as a child would to a parent and not run off and do my own thing. And I finally realized why I was always feeling empty. I was always searching for something to fill me because I was disconnected. I felt incomplete. I felt empty I wasn't, because I wasn't connected to God. Even though God was there for my whole life, I never reached out my hand to grab him, to grab his hand and to get connected, to have this intimate relationship with him. And this is why I felt so empty because of this separation that was meant to never, ever happen. It was meant for me to be connected. And um, because it was meant in my very core of being just to, just to know of who my creator is and have that intimacy with him, that would fill me up and I would not feel disconnected. I would not feel empty. Because before that, when I was disconnected, I thought eating would fill me up. I thought the right career or the husband or my children or or any exterior thing, but nothing worked. Nothing worked. The meaning of my life is that I need God with me because without him, I'm incomplete and therefore I can't function. So I'm blessed that I know that I need God in my life and that completes my sane and whole world it's it's not about understanding forget about i didn't want to deal with do do i comprehend it in my mind it's 
bringing it into my heart and pushing it, pushing it down to my feet and walking it. And that arch is that symbol, that keystone is, please, God, save me from me. I don't really have to understand it. And I just have that willingness to go to any lengths and to grab onto what will save me. Thank you, and I pass. And thank you, Irini. Next we have is Monica P. Good morning, Santa. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater presently in Vermont. So here we are in the chapter, How It Works. And on page 60, the third paragraph, the last sentence says, just what do we mean by that and just what do we do? So we've, we're, we've been convinced by, you know, I've been convinced I have this disease. My way has not worked. I need to find something that will work. So how do I do this? And they're telling us here, this is the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. I'm not God. And the big book is telling us some clear-cut directions here in the big book. It's, they're saying there is a higher power of some sort. It's not me, and that's all I need to know right now. It's not you, Monica. You've got to quit doing it. It hasn't worked. So, how am I going to come up with this conception of my own? So they're giving us a number of relationships here in this, in this paragraph. Director, actor, principal, agent, father, child, employer, employee on the next page, maker, makey. So there's five different possibilities, five different types of relationships. And I was given a little writing assignment. Monica, come up with a relationship that you need at this point in your life that works for you, that then you can make that third step decision and gently lean into this relationship and let it and do the work and see where it takes you. Didn't say I had to believe in it. I didn't have to have a whole bunch of faith in it. But I came up with my own conception, a relationship I felt comfortable with. That what did I need? And so it just sort of flowed naturally for me to go from step two to lean gently into this relationship. It was my relationship that I'd come up with, my name for this higher power not somebody else's. And that just made it easier. And of course, step three was made very, very simple to me in that you know, I was told step three, Monica, can be as simple as you're just making a decision to continue working through the rest of the steps. And it's been interesting to me over time that my original relationship when I did this work was a father-child relationship. A loving father supporting me, da-da-da-da. And um, a lot of the other people were saying director and actor, and I just couldn't see that. I don't want to be told what to do. And then one day I realized, you know what? I was willing to be an actor in this drama of life and do my part. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Monica T. And next we have this Lisa J.R., I believe. Hi, this is Lisa J.R. from Baltimore, Maryland. Thank you so much for your service. Um, and I please time me. I don't have a timer, if you would. Um, 
You know, this is an amazing uh, part of the book for me, and it it just, you know, I I just want to bust when I read it. It's so exciting to me. Um, I came in, you know, I had no problem realizing that God was the the boss divine. Sorry about the bird. I had no no issue um, believing that or embracing that. But life on life's terms um, hit me you know, like it does everybody else, and I became rebellious against my creator. I was, and I can only liken it, um, I spent 35 years breaking horses and training horses, and most horses take a bit in their mouth and a saddle on their back, and if they're gently but firmly brought around, they take a rider and fairly quickly, maybe two, three weeks, you can get them to go anywhere with just simple urging. But that wasn't me. I'm like the the one in a million horse that was brawny. And sometimes in the business, we would say you have to ride the buck out of them. And I spent 47 years bucking and fighting the bit and fight. Nobody was going to put a bit in my mouth and tell me where to go or what to do. And I fought and fought and fought and finally was just beaten down into a state of reasonableness and quit bucking. And nothing delights me more than young people that come into this program. And I hear these people that are in their 20s and 30s, and they're getting this now. They're, they're, it's sinking in. They don't have to wait until you know they're approaching old age. But for sure... Um, you know, we can step aside and let that new power flow in and enjoy peace of mind and discover we could face life successfully as we became conscious of his presence. You know, just submit, step aside, let the spirit flow because this is nothing more than a miracle. This has like been God for dummies for me. I, I lovingly call AA Attitude Adjustment, the Book of Attitude Adjustment, because that's what it's done for me, and I'm so grateful. Um, thank you, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Lisa. Stay on. And who else likes to comment for approximately three minutes? Janice. Leanne W. Janice M. I heard. And what was the other name? Leanne W. Leanne W. And that's all we have time for. Good morning, Janice M. Well, good morning to you, Santa, and everyone. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Okay, we're at step three. Um, we, uh, I came to step three because I knew that I was powerless, you know, the previous page, I don't know, A, B, and C. So now I had to, I'm coming to make a decision. I'm ready to make a decision because I know that, the, that, that I'm powerless and I need, I need help. Now, I'm going to talk about the keystone, you know, how Bill writes. And and it was mentioned, the keystone is a wedge-shaped stone. It holds up an arch, okay? You know, like the doorway, that's an arch. So he's he's comparing, he's given an analogy of, of the whole steps, all the steps of this arch. And in the middle of that arch... Is called the keystone. That's people say. Well, that's the most important step. Well, it's not the most important steps. They're all important. But without that keystone, 
without allowing a higher power to do its work, his work, all the all the arch all the sides will all fall down. So the arch locks the other pieces in place. The other pieces. What are the other pieces? Step one, step two, step four through twelve. Now, as I said, step three is just one of the twelve. Um, the thing is, I just lost my thought. Oh, this arch. He he. he, he if you notice, he he. He focuses on like building a building, and the arch is stone. And um, it's going to be an arch that I and you are going to walk through as a free woman, <clears throat> a woman or man, and freedom from the bondage of self. That's what this uh, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make a decision about relinquishing our power. And of course, I love the word director because I was always directing. Always, from the time I was little, playing school, I was directing my other cousins. They were the children, you know. They were the students, and I was the teacher. So, director means very is very. I can relate to that very importantly. And I also that was my business to direct a school. So I found out, hmm, that doesn't work very well. So now I'm going to get a new director to give me directions. And what are his directions? His directions are steps four, are all the steps. See, because I couldn't do that on my own. God, those are my higher power's directions are all the steps. So um, that's the decision to do the action. And somebody has to direct me because I can't do it myself. And with that, I'm past. Thank you. And thank you, Janice M. And last, we'll have Leanne W. Hi, this is Leanne W. from Massachusetts. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Oh, terrific. Thank you. Um, first of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, I, was, um, we, I decided that in the hereafter of this drama of life, God was going to be my director. This brings me to what I have written in my book is, Um, a reference to page 98. And on page 98, it says, burn the idea into the consciousness of every man that he can get well, regardless of anyone. The only condition is that he trusts in God and clean house. And this speaks volumes to me because for so long, I just stopped with the part where it says, the only condition is that he trusts in God, period but it doesn't have a period there. It says, and clean house. And so it, where it says here, first of all, I had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next thing I had to do was to um, have God be my principal. I had to make that decision for God to be my principal. But then I had to clean house. And I know that when we go on to the rest of the part of reading, it says, when we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of things, remarkable things happen. So a lot is being told to me here is that, you know, I had to quit playing God. If I did these things, remarkable things would happen if I kept close to him and performed his work well. And so there are so many key words in here for me and how the book all comes together and the steps all come together is is key on how I would live my life, you know, from this point forward or from when I you know, went through the um, the steps forward. And it's just, you know, for me, it's like not playing God anymore. 
and recognizing, you know, what we often hear in these rooms is that there is a God and I'm not him. God's in charge, not me. So burning these ideas into my head, burning this idea into my head and cleaning house. And, and for me, it's I need to continue to live in steps 10 through 12 on a daily basis. Having been through the steps, I have to live in 10 through 12 on a daily basis. And when I do that, you know, when I when I admit that I'm not God, that there is a God and I'm not him, then I, I have my footing and I'm less interested in myself and in my little plans and my designs for life. Because for so long, I was trapped in this idea of if people would just do what I wanted, if, you know, if they would behave in a certain way, if things would go my way, you know, then everything would be okay. And today I realize that's not the case at all, is that, you know, if, as long as I keep close to God and perform his work well, and how do I perform his work well is I stay away from my selfishness. You know, if I'm selfish, if I'm self-seeking, if I'm fearful, you know, all of these things, then I, then I work, well, I continue to work my program. And, and it says, the final part is, um, as, hello? So as we become conscious of his presence, Yep, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, and the hereafter. We were reborn without a test. Thank you. And thank you, Leanne W. And thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for the second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today's 7 a.m. meeting, Monday, July 3rd, 10112. 0112. We will now close with a reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Lisa B., please read A Vision for You. Our book, our book is meant to be suggestive only. Keep you until then. Good morning. This is Lisa B., a recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.